the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Uh, we're going to talk to Brian Taylor here momentarily from Real Golf Radio. We'll talk to him about uh, Tiger Woods. Um, there's currently a, a press conference going on, Gordon. Not sure what uh, the info is yet on the update with Tiger. We'll keep an eye on that. But uh, um, there was a, an update coming from the L.A. Police Department, so or L.A. County, I think it is. So we'll keep folks up to date. But it, it does not, the, the report has been out there that his injuries are not life-threatening. So that's really, uh, really good news. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've just been reading about some of the things uh, about the accident that were coming from the uh, from the L.A. Times. And uh, it says that uh, he was, uh, according to their sources, the vehicle, and this is a quote, was traveling at a high rate of speed. And, uh, and then it says, and, quote, lost control of the vehicle before crossing the center divider. All right, let's get out of <clears throat> excuse me the zone phone. Joining us now, you hear him every Saturday morning uh, alongside Bob Casper, of course, on Real Golf Radio. He's our friend Brian Taylor. Hey, BT, how are you? Man, this is uh, this is a wild one. This is not something that we expected to be talking about in the middle of a of a week. You know, around Tiger Woods and not uh, relating to golf. Am I seeing uh, we've kind of got this this press conference going simultaneously, BC? But but am I seeing that uh, they're saying that impairment was not not an issue? That's what they that's what they indicated that they didn't find uh, their initial uh, findings was that there was not impairment. So um, we'll we'll see as this continues to go. Like I said, it's literally unfolding as we're talking here. But um, I, I think you know. I mean, I, again, I hate to speculate, but I it, it seems like the the the, the language they're using suggests that the injuries were severe. Um, we we know from that it was to his legs that he was coherent and he was talking to medical, you know, first arrivers and that type of thing. Um, but uh, Bryson DeChambeau on the Golf Channel said he was talking to some of Tiger's people and mentioned that uh, he was in surgery for his legs and it was pretty bad, and he used the word broken. Again, um, that's just what Bryson mentioned uh, at the WGC event in Florida so um, looking at that vehicle wouldn't surprise you to think that there was, uh, was some broken bones there, but I'm uh, just thankful that it wasn't worse. If we can assume that Tiger's going to be okay as far as his overall health goes, easy for us to say, right, as he's uh, fighting through this surgery. And I wonder whether what effect this will have on his uh, ability to play golf, uh, BT. What do you, what do you th- you're not a doctor, I know, but... You know, you got to wonder a little bit. You do wonder, of course. You got to wonder, and you know, let's not forget he's in the middle of rehab from a fifth back surgery um, that took place just before Christmas. So, we had already started talking on the radio show about you know when might we see Tiger come back? Uh, Bay Hill, where he's won what six, seven times. Um, you know, was it was something to be discussed, which is a week from now. But um, he was eligible to play in the WGC event this week, and he's not in that. And then. You know, on, on the broadcast during the Genesis where he's the host at Riviera Country Club, he mentioned to Jim Nance that he's, you know, he's just still doing mundane stuff in the gym, not really uh, hitting any golf balls or doing any golf-related things, which now starts to make you look forward to April and Augusta. And, that, and of course, that was all prior to today's accident. And so um, I, I would guess that this is, you know, going to be, let's just assume, like you said, that he's okay um, that it's a matter of uh, fixing some broken bones and, you know, some things like that. Um, those will heal. 
And let's hope that, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that means is not being a doctor a year from now. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we might be able to see Tiger Woods, but I'm just hopeful that we'll be able to see him play again and that it doesn't end, you know, with this type of a story. I, I can't help but think about, you know, Ben Hogan back in 1950. Uh, maybe you guys have already mentioned this, but, you know, he and his wife were hit by a Greyhound bus uh, in 1949. And they believed he would, you know, he was lucky to be alive. In fact, it was an amazing story where he actually leaned over to protect his wife. And had he not leaned over to the passenger seat to protect his wife, would have been crushed by the steering wheel. And, and he came back, ironically, um, to, to return to golf at the L.A. Open at Riviera the following year in 1950 and then went later on to win the U.S. Open at Marion that summer. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's certainly Tiger has, has shown us that he's a fighter, that he's strong, that he's able to come back from a lot of things. And here's hoping that maybe it'll be a, a similar chapter still to, to come in Tiger's book. Just a little aside on that. Where where did that accident take place, uh, BT, uh, Ben Hogan? Do you, do you remember? I, I think it was in Texas, if I'm not was mistaken. It? That's where his home was, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brian Taylor with us. BT, I want to talk to you about kind of the evolution of Tiger Woods because I think his entire career – um, has has had obviously a lot of ups and downs, uh, but you've been covering golf uh, for most of, if not all, of Tiger's career, and it seems to me that this Tiger Woods that has emerged since you know what you might call the low point is DUI arrest a few years ago. It's it's interesting to me because he laughs and he has fun, and you look at uh, I saw that interview with Jim Nance uh, just over the weekend where he had a smile on his face. I mean, all these things that were not the Tiger. Uh, that we got to know back in the early 2000s. Talk about kind of the evolution of him as a person. Yeah, it's a really good point, Jake. I mean, he's it, and it's noticeable. Um, you know, he he used to be this mysterious closed figure. Uh, he would use this um, I don't know sus- uh, amount of uh, anonymity and uh, suspense or what have you, uh, mysteriousness as part of his his way to intimidate his opponents, perhaps. I'll never forget being, you know, when Bob first took me out to the Masters 20 years ago, and it was a rain delay, and we were standing in front of the clubhouse under the veranda out of the rain, and all the players and caddies were there, and and Tiger came walking through, and literally everybody stopped. This is back, you know, when Tiger was just sort of immortal and, and doing things that people never thought would be done in golf, and everybody stopped and watched him. I mean, literally just followed him as he went by and passed, Tiger never looked left, never looked right, never said hi, and just went right through everybody. And and now, I mean, he is like he's like the you know Mr. Gregarious. I mean, he's saying hi to people. You know, he's being friendly. He's joking. Uh, there's pictures, you know, of course, when he played with with his son Charlie and the way he was so excited at the father and son in December and cheering him on and. That, you know, that, that whole idea, everything was so private about Tiger before, and some of the reasons we found out later why, I guess. But, you know, he certainly seems a lot more human, and ten, at least on, on my limited, you know, association with him would lead me to believe that he's, you know, becoming more – he's enjoying more of life in general rather than just focusing with an amazing, intense laser focus on becoming the greatest and being the greatest golfer ever to play the game. Ryan, did you see the HBO doc on uh, Tiger, uh, re- the recent one earlier? When was it? January, I think it came out. Did you see that? I actually didn't watch it. Oh, okay. I just wondered yeah. what your impression was. Yeah, I did Cause... see uh, his agent's response was that this was just another way for someone to try to capitalize on Tiger's fame. They weren't blessing it, and I guess that means they weren't making any money at it. I don't know, but um, it, it, I, I just haven't had the chance to watch it.
So if you were to describe what you were talking about earlier, his his impact on golf, his life story, and uh, his uh, his personal journey, uh, how how would you characterize it? I, I think Tiger's the complete game changer. I think everything we're seeing today, including Tony Finau. I mean, he's acknowledged how many times that 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 1997 Masters changed. Tony's life. It was watching that that was the first time he ever considered playing golf. And now look what he's doing out there. And, you know, Bryson DeChambeau has mentioned similar things. I mean, most of the players, Justin Thomas, these guys, they are out there doing what they're doing because of what Tiger Woods went out and did. And, you know, when Tiger jumped on the scene, you know, the interview with Curtis Strange, hey, what, what are your expectations? And he's like, to win. And Curtis laughed at him and, and said, you'll learn. And, you know, that was the mentality. You used to have to come out on tour and you had to pay your dues. You had to be out there for a while before you ever thought about winning. And uh, you certainly don't win majors until you're in your 30s. That's when guys start winning majors. And Tiger came right out as, you know, 20 years old and starts winning tournaments, you know, uh, right away in his first couple of months when he only had sponsors' invitations to play on tour and then just continued to dominate, of course, and uh, set all kinds of records. And I think that's what you're seeing with today. You're seeing a level of fitness that Tiger brought to the game, a level of athleticism, a level of um, um, domination. Uh, there's less fear around winning, and players are winning early, and they're winning often. And so I, I think he's had a major impact not only on the tour players and how they go about doing their business, but bringing people to the game, the, the, the popularity of the game of golf. All of that has, has been a direct um, impact that Tiger Woods has had and uh, I think it will continue to, to be that way, you know, despite anything else that goes on off the, the course, Tiger's been huge for this game. BT, I don't mean for this question to sound callous. I hope it doesn't, because I've, I've actually had this thought in my mind for several years now, and, and you know, even going back further, but is, is golf prepared for a world without Tiger Woods? Uh, can they um, maintain their, the momentum that they've so developed during his career? Yeah, I think it's a good question, Jake. I mean, that's not, I don't think it's callous at all. I mean, when you have, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily unique to, to golf. I, I'm sure that that question was asked when, you know, uh, Bird and Magic, you know, left the game. I'm sure it was asked when, you know, I know it was asked when Jordan left the game. I was doing your stuff back then. And, and you know, so, I, you know, what about Kobe? What about Shaq? I mean, it just seems like now what about LeBron? I, and, and I think what you see is you have – these once-in-a-generational type of players in whatever sport you might be a fan of. And rather than worrying so much about who's going to be the next so-and-so, I think what it does is it gives you a great appreciation for what they were able to do or continue to be able to do. And in the meantime, you start to realize that the, the, the things I just talked about, the fringe um, results of their greatness rubs off and inspires other athletes to then – chase after that greatness and the bar just continues to get raised higher and higher you could make a point or an argument that today's players out there are more talented the fields are deeper than they were when tiger came out and some of the players with their talent today and the equipment and their strength and their training if they came out in 1997 might they have blitzed a pga tour that was unsuspecting of that kind of an uh, of a of an onslaught if you will from what tiger did now i don't want to suggest that anyone could do what tiger did because he's that special but my point is is i think you're going to continue to see great stars great athletes that will um will be able to carry the torch 
Maybe it's by committee for a while before that next one sort of emerges. But I think the game will be in good shape. And um, not, not just because Tiger's not here anymore, but because he was there. Same as when Jack and, and Arnold and the rest of the guys that laid the foundation. It's just another layer, and he certainly elevated the game. You know, uh, uh, BT, when you were talking about the shift in Tiger moving from one phase of his life to another, how did the how did the PGA Tour uh, guys how, how did they view him? Obviously, with respect, for, like you were talking about, for everything that he's done and the way he helped build the thing up. But did they view him as, and I'm talking in the past tense, I, I don't mean to make it sound that way, but do, do they view him, did they view him as as the fierce tiger of, uh, of, of yesteryear, or do they view him as just a guy? Uh, how did they approach him? Yeah, I think there was, I think there was a lot of intimidation early on, kind of in that story, like I shared with you about the Masters, um, you know, around 2000 time frame. Uh, you know, Tiger was, uh, he wasn't out there to make friends. I've, I've shared this story before, and it's really the only personal one-on-one -on -one interaction I've ever had with him in private. But, you know, um, Bob's dad, Billy Casper, uh, took us up to the champion's locker room at Augusta, and I think it was in 2005. And Tiger had just earlier that year come out that he'd had knee surgery. And this was, again, this was before Twitter, and um, we didn't know things as often or as soon as we used to know, and Tiger loved privacy. So, all of a sudden, we find out he comes back at uh, Torrey Pines, and he, he, oh, by the way, I had knee surgery, and he goes on to win. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And he had just won, like, three or four tournaments the year before, and apparently it had a bad knee, and nobody knew it. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, Tiger, I said, we're so we're Tiger's the only one in the champion's locker room, except for Bob and Billy and, and, and me. And I can't help myself, because I've always been that way, and I just start talking to, <laughs> to Tiger. And I'm just like, hey, how did... Uh, how did nobody know? How was it possible that you were struggling with your knee so badly that you required surgery and no one knew it? And he looked at me with this stare and I'll never forget it. And, and he almost like he was looking right through me. It was, it was this, it was massively intimidating. And he said, never let your opponents know you're hurt to hell with them. And I, and that was it. And then he went on to talking about whatever, but I just remember being so impressed by that particular level of, focus, um, competitiveness that I thought, you know what, at the time Phil hadn't won a major yet. So maybe this was in two, I don't know, maybe he had just won one or so. And I remember telling Bob, Phil doesn't have that. Like there, Phil's way nicer than Tiger is. Like he doesn't have that killer instinct. And I just, I, I think that's the way he came off to the rest of the tour pros. There was a bit of a cold shoulder. Remember Marco Mira was kind of the only one that was really in the inner circle. And um, and now I, I, it's much different. Tigers, you know, actually reaching out to this younger generation and helping them and and uh, having an impact on them. So I do think it's been uh, uh, a bit of a, an evol evolution for for Tiger with his uh, the way he interacts with the other tour pros. One more thing I wanted to sneak in real real quick, BT is didn't Tiger favor Utah for a while as far as a play? He I know he had some surgeries here. He used to like go come fishing here. Does he does he still have a connection with the state at all? You know I I I, I think he still uses some of the doctors up in Park City. You know when he needs to for for his knees and and things like that. But um, I. You know, Omira was kind of his place. He would come and crash at Omira's place 
up there at Tuhay and, and Park City area. So um, and go fishing with Mark. I don't know how much he does that anymore, but um, I, I guess I can't answer that. I haven't heard that he's been in Utah a whole lot lately, but yeah, that was kind of his uh, Dr. Cooley up there in Park City. We did a lot of his surgeries and. I ended up having my knee done up there, and we, we visited a little bit about it. But, there's, yeah, he apparently they're really, really good docs. So, uh, and Tiger went, went up there to get that done. BT, thank you very much for coming on, giving us a little perspective today, talking about Tiger. I know it's a tough story, but we appreciate you. You got it. And uh, super excited to listen to you guys talking about the jazz and uh, see how that continues to unfold as well. And then, yeah, of course, we wish Tiger a speedy recovery, and we'll continue to find out more information. Thanks, yeah, BT. BT you st- are you still? How's the golf game? You still scratch? <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm quite a scratch, but um, I appreciate that. It's it's okay. It's in hibernation right now. I'm anxious to <laughs> get some meltage so I can get out and try it out again. But yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, BT. We appreciate you. You got it. That's our friend Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, every single Saturday morning. They, those guys do it year round. They've been doing it for a long, long time, and I'm I'm actually uh, uh, eager to hear what they have to say about uh, Tony Finau this weekend, as he had a rough weekend. Well, is it really rough if he finished second? Well, he had the great showing, uh, but when's he going to win a playoff? When's he going to win again? It hasn't it been since 2016. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. a great golfer. Who, who typically has terrific results, but uh, you know Tony's probably eager to to win one of these tournaments. Yeah, he still won a million bucks. <laughs> okay, all right. You know but that's he... that's the thing with those golfers. Like I get it. You know, you'd be crushed losing in a playoff, and man, it'd be it'd be really hard. Because I watched it. I watched it live, and I was thinking those same things. And then you have to remind yourself, like he still made a million bucks over the weekend. That softens the blow quite a bit, don't you think? I I suppose. What do you mean, I suppose? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, how can you ignore that kind of payoff? But but still, he wants to win, Jake. He wants to win. Yeah, right. But, I mean, you know, if Austin wants to give me a million dollars to kick me in the groin, you know, (laughs) I get kicked in the groin. But you know what? Still have a million bucks. Oh, okay, now I'm just everyone's thinking about that a million bucks for. I mean, yeah, how, so, how how hard a kick are you talking about? I'm just I'm just saying, feel bad for Tony, but don't feel bad for Tony. <laughs> I mean, are you talking full on boot toe first? It doesn't matter. He he could use Doc Martens. I don't care for a million bucks. As long as he gives me that million bucks, I'll be fine. There could be some irreparable damage. Don't done care. There. That's all right. We'll be fine. Okay, if you say so. Million bucks, Gordon. So feel bad for Tony, but don't, you know, feel bad for Tony. (laughs) Whatever you say. I'm still going to feel a little bad for him. Oh, yeah, then you remind yourself you just made a million bucks. Yeah, but a million million bucks. I mean, what's a million bucks to Tony? Plenty. It's a million bucks to anybody. You have this. Anyway, we've got a guest coming up next, so we'll just stop this uh, argument from spiraling out of control. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.